Welcome to a football show, Thursday edition, Titans recap, training camp edition. Training camp takeaways. Of the show, he's Zach, I am Braden. Welcome, of course, to a football show. Turn on all, all the notifications, of course, here on the 440 Sports Network. Follow us on the Twitters as well, at Braden Gall, at 440 Sports, at Pod at Broadway Sports Media, all that great stuff, uh, of course, as well. Get those notifications turned on, jump into the comments, we'll have a lot of answers for you. Uh, if you guys got questions about training camp, it's gonna get a little spicy. I, it will, but I will also attempt to answer questions yes. about what we saw over the last couple of days, the first two days of Titans training camp, because football is here, and that is what we are going to discuss today on the program, Zach. We've got defensive back rotation. We're going to take. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Tim Kelly's influence, which was on Ooh. full display in the first day of practice. Not a ton of drama in the second day of practice, of course, on on Thursday. Uh, some offensive weaponry, some positional rotational stuff. Uh, some other stuff, some victory laps. You're spicy. You're very spicy. Oh, yeah. I got some victory laps to as, take, baby. As usual, so we'll do that. So a lot of fun stuff today on the program. Of course, we are here at the Cast Collective studio. So yes. if you want to book this space, make sure you check them out. Cast Collective, thecastcollective.com. Cast, the Cast Collective on Instagram as well. Yep. You want a, a small event here? You want to bring some friends? You got a little bridal shower? You got a bachelor party? You want to do anything here in the space? In the heart of Nashville on Music Row, Cast Collective is, of course, your location. And our wonderful and amazing title sponsor, the Kingston Group, buildkg.com, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. It's a firm. It is. It's a firm, like Traylon Burks' abs. Yes. It is a firm, not like an independent contractor. Like it. Yeah, there you go. So, buildkg.com, the Kingston Group. Make sure you check them out. My family uses them, so your family should use them, too. Um, all right, so first of all here, before we take the victory lap and you, yeah. you get a little spicy and you have fun with yourself and really explore the studio space, which I can't wait for. Um, I, w- I do wish we had like a microphone I could take off and I could do like a little comedy routine and walk around, like a wrestling promo. You got the, you got the cord you're flipping. Yeah. Uh, you go the Chappelle style and bang the, bang the mic whenever yeah. you hit the punchline. Um, no, you're going to have fun in just a second. We'll get there. Just, just sit tight. Uh, let's start with some takeaways. Yeah. Uh, from camp, first and foremost, the the Wednesday practice that was the first available practice for media, tons of energy, a lot of seven on seven going down the field, taking shots, having fun. Did you say it was lit? <laughs> if is I that was, what a, the kids say, lit. A, Do they still say lit, or is it off the chain now? Are we back to off the chain? I I don't believe so. Hmm. Um, Maybe we should I'm, bring it back. I'm uncomfortable sitting next to you now, and I'm the old one. Uh, no, if I'm a, if I was allowed to say lit, which I am not. Because of my age, I'm a geriatric millennial. I was born a millennial. I no longer identify as a millennial. I'm transitioning. Gotcha. Um, I'm not allowed to say that. But if I was, perhaps I would say that Wednesday's practice, it was so much fun. It was just a fun day of work. We'll get to Trey Lumberks in a second. The exact opposite on Thursday. Uh, I think, obviously, very intentional from Vrabel and company that, that Thursday was very, very, like, they, they weren't even throwing passes. Like, it was just sort of fake your throw, check down, more of a jog through. But but Wednesday was intense. Wednesday was fun, and there was a lot of stuff to talk about. So yeah. So what uh, you were talking about before we came on the air, you were talking about some stuff that you saw that you wanted to get into. So first observation, and this isn't on the practice field. This is from Robert Woods talking to the media on Thursday, and he said it before, I believe. Um, but one of the things he he mentioned, and we can talk about the knee and the knee brace yeah. and going through the drills and. All this stuff, but one of the things I noticed that I that caught my attention when he talked about coming here and transitioning here uh, about ha- Mike Vrabel having an established culture, they have an identity. They're not in rebuild mode. They're a f- successful franchise that competes for playoff spots, has been every year basically. And I just it struck me as if you were an adult professional football player and winning matters to you, that Mike Vrabel has become an asset to acquire talent that's not in the draft. And maybe that's not a new thing. But it does seem like it doesn't get talked about a lot. And I, and I thought, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are going to talk about passing routes and players and DBs, and we'll get to all that. But I just thought that's overlooked in all of this, that Vrabel has built something that is attractive to talented football well, players. It, it, we, we talked about it on the show when we first started doing the show. Uh, one of the big topics at these press conferences, you know, when we started the offseason activities were, you know, starting up was culture. They were questioning the Mike Coach of the Year, Mike Vrabel, culture, and I, I we we thought it was ridiculous. We thought it was uh, misinformed, maybe even borderline ignorant to be asking and questioning someone 
that it just kept a locker room together through 91 different injuries and starting 91 different players to be questioning the locker room. And obviously that was the big selling point for Robert Woods. He talked about it in his opening presser too. So this isn't just some yeah. one-off. This is something that has stuck with them since he decided yeah. to be here. And so I just I just wanted to mention that because again we yeah. ju I just heard him talking literally like a few minutes ago and and so I that's something that stood out to me I wanted to make sure we got that out. Well, also in that um, presser, speaking of culture and leadership, and we'll get into more Traylon Burks here in just a second. <laughs> but he talked about yeah he didn't really talk to Traylon Burks they didn't really talk to each other between OTAs and training camp, yeah. but he left he felt that. Traylon Burks left knowing the expectations and how we do things. So Robert Woods is already thrown in the we. He's already bought into the Titans' way. This is how we do things. Here's our expectations for yep. how to basically be a pro's pro, which is good to have. That's why you have veteran players to be able to talk to and teach these rookies that are coming in because this happens all the time. This is not some new phenomenon no. that's, you know, Traylon Burke specific. We, and we spoke about this when they acquired Woods, that he is a professional football player, you know, in every sense of the word. He likes to block as a wide receiver. Like, he does his job professionally and even talks about running, doing the drills. Like, if I'm going to be first up doing a drill, I set the tone for everybody behind me. I'm going to make sure I execute that drill the exact right way it's supposed to because that trickles down to the guys behind me. And then also, they, so that's, that's just leadership by example. Um, and one other note on this, just Ryan Tannehill, I feel like there's a, a subtle difference in his leadership. I think he clearly has something to prove. He, yeah. he had a tough offseason with the fans. There's no question. Bad performance in the playoff game. Like, he's got something to prove personally. And I think there's a little bit more, you know, you draft a quarterback in the third round. Like, why wouldn't you want to take it up a notch? And I think there's a, I want to say he was like 11 for 11 on Tuesday, but that, I don't, or Wednesday, but I don't really care about that. What I care about is like the mannerisms, the body language. He's sort of like there's just a, there's a little bit more oomph there from him in terms of there, how he handles himself on the practice. There's a there's also seems to be a little bit edge in his press conferences too. Uh, he's a little bit more uh, I wouldn't say on edge or anything, but I no, would no, say no. that I think he's a little bit more edgy and I think he's pissed off. Yeah, and I think not not at any one thing. I no, just he's, and I I think a lot of people yesterday were are harping on or still continuing to talk about and bring up the scars and stuff, and I think that. From someone like myself who has gone through therapy and stuff, bringing up for other people to keep bringing up something that was a, uh, I guess a uh, vulnerable time for you, as far as when you he his words were scars, and to keep bringing up that word, I think is a little bit like he's like, you know, can we yeah, yeah, move yeah. on a little like, bit? Like it's it's fair game if I bring it up. But it's my stuff, yeah. so let me bring it up. You don't have to keep asking. I mean, I know some 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 people, it's their job. But, like, I just think there's a little bit more uh, – confidence isn't the right word. Chip on your shoulders maybe a cliche, but I think it applies here. He's yeah. just a little bit more um, – uh, uh, again, I'm going to use all these cliches. Take the bull by the horns, you know, blah, 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 like all these different things. That it just feels like it's exactly how I would expect a player of his confidence and his stature to respond to a bad performance – after going through a tough time, to now come back with a very good football team and have expectations for yourself. It just feels like he's kind of, that, that's that's one of the takeaways. This is an opinion that I'll probably have that constantly evolves or changes. and because You're not I, allowed to do that. I know. Not allowed to do but, that. But present information on that is given by John Robinson yesterday, or two days ago, no, when he had Ryan Cowden on, so that was Tuesday. Okay. Um, it, People were talking about again bringing up Ryan Tannehill. How do you get over the playoff loss? You know what does that mean? All this stuff. There were there were great questions. I, I for the most part I have no beef with any of the questions that were asked for the first time in a long time. Um, but someone asked something. He goes, "Well, you know, thirty-one other teams lost." John Robinson and that's Mike Rabel's kind of alluded to that too. Yep. And all this to say. The more I see from Ryan Tannehill in press conferences, the more I see from him on the field, the more that we hear from Mike Vrabel and John Robinson, the more I am leaning towards now, right now, Ryan Tannehill may even get an extension after this yeah, show. Well, you said that on, on Monday's show, no, that, that it's, it's a good chance. If he plays well and yeah. they progress, I, I, I listen, he's not too old to let him go because of age. Yeah, It's almost exclusively about the meritocracy, and if frankly, if Malik Willis is ready, and right now Malik Willis is not ready, 
um, in my opinion. And and so I, I'm with you. I think Tannehill still gives them the best chance to win. Let's see how let's see how it plays I think out. they they know that from smart team building, it's going to be a lot harder if Malik Willis doesn't show them enough in the time that he has. Yeah, it's going to be way. It's a lot. They're not willing to take the leap and thrust in a Malik Willis like the Giants were, were willing to thrust in Daniel Jones, who wasn't ready. Yes, I. You know, I'm not saying that Malik Willis, right. Daniel Jones, or anything similar. I'm just saying that in those situations, a quarterback was thrusted in before they were ready. Yep. And I think that they know that with Ryan Tannehill currently would give them the best chance. And it's a lot harder. Look at the Indianapolis Colts in your own division. It's really hard to find a quarterback that can at least get you to the playoffs. Yes. And so, again, it's very subtle. It's not super noticeable, no. but there's just this little extra little thread picking. You it, just gotta yeah, see. There's... You gotta see the threads of a story, which again to me is a total normal human reaction to like want to prove people wrong. Like yeah. I think that's totally normal. I think that's good for the team. Um, it's great for the team. And, and so far, he's looked pretty good. Again, they had a really good day on offense on Tuesday, throwing the ball around. But you should in your first day of like real seven on seven drills where people are watching, and so they were good and. Um, the passing game looked fun. It looked explosive. They went down the field. They used a lot of different players in a lot of different formations. And it, it was just a, it was a good day of practice. And if you've got like Chig looked really interesting, a Conquo, I think they're going to use him in some really interesting ways, some short passes to him to let him make some plays after the, after the catch. Des Fitzpatrick had a really nice catch on a, on kind of a, a backside, you know, slant post route. Um, really great throw from Tannehill. Racy McMath had a good catch from Malik Willis. On a, on a throw that most quarterbacks don't make. Um, he threw a, it was a, the arm strength you could see. Um, otherwise, there wasn't a ton to take away. I, you know, I, I watch the defensive line a lot because I just, I'm interested in, you know, Peavy and Murchison and Walker and like yeah. all these different pieces that are going to battle for a roster spot. It's really fun to watch those guys because they're very big and very talented. Deshaun Hand is another one. Um, they're very talented. So there's a lot of, it's a lot, it's a lot of fun just to be on a football field, frankly, Zach. Yeah. Well, I, I can only imagine even in the seat, especially since you guys have been blessed with We've a little been, bit yes, of clouds. overcast. We had clouds the last two days and it wasn't terrible. Yeah. So, uh, the players definitely were talking about, like players were definitely happy that it wasn't, uh, scorching hot, which I don't know, might've affected a 22 year old rookie who came to Nashville for the first time to practice because it was hot as hell during OTAs and minicamp. Not as bad this week. Traylon Burks. By far, not even close, easily his best day of work on the first day of practice. And for me, in my perspective, in my opinion, it ended what I thought was a fairly ridiculous three months of conversation with fans and or the internet and or Twitter and or media. Again, I'm not picking on any one person here. I just think that we on this show kept saying, no empty calories. This is not a topic until it becomes a topic. And lo and behold, the first day of practice, the second day of practice, it is not a topic. Traylon Burks was out there, completed both practices, looked great, and is down a few pounds, five to six pounds. And which, which, by the a, way, accountability of it. Can, can we say something about this five to six pounds? First off, if that was it, that's great, right? I mean, obviously that was it. But second off, that doesn't mean he was fat. <laughs> no. Well, he's a if, big boy. He's a big, he's a big boy. But like, if, if all it takes is five to six pounds to 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 have you running, you know, four threes or whatever you want to call it down on the field, then I should be doing that every like I, I lose about five or six pounds and then gain it back. So in that time frame, I should be the fastest person right. alive on the field. No, and it, like, give me a break about this kind of crap that people are spewing, yeah. saying that okay, well he was fat. Well, no, he wasn't fat. He he wasn't conditioned he had five to six pounds probably because he thought that hey i will do my college regimen to stay in shape that wasn't enough and specifically robert wood said basically he realized that that wasn't enough and he should have done better with his inhaler accountability but it was all asthma related five to six pounds and then you have asthma then you have this humidity like okay i get it well it, well let's add to let's add to the list it's also a 22-year-old moving to a new city, yeah. going to work professionally for the first time in your entire career. Like, there's just a little bit, a tiny bit of grace was not really given to him. No. And I'm not suggesting that, and like... I, the, a lot of it has to do with A.J. Brown. And, and Isaiah Wilson, which is yeah. not Traylon Burks' fault. No. And that and so, again, I, I'm not suggesting that I don't understand. Also, it's also the three Show me a video clip where Isaiah Wilson or even A.J. Brown ever took accountability. <laughs> well, that's true. But... It's also the two and a half months window of the calendar year where there's no football happening. So you've got to kind of, you know, create content. So it's sort of a combination of all these things led led to this 
conversation around Traylon Burks that I'd like to think that on this show, if you listened, we told you from the beginning, just stop. Don't worry about it. It's not a thing until it becomes a thing. And, and, and also, we need to hold ourselves accountable. We don't want to overreact the other direction after one good practice. Now, I will say this. It wasn't just the one down-the-field big play that he made, which was spectacular. The Titans tweeted out the video, so go check it out. But he also had a really good, tough, hard-fought, contested catch against Caleb Farley. He had another really good leaping hands catch on a dig route, which we know that's what A.J. Brown ran in this offense. It was an, He was running, sprinting downfield when Derrick Henry was on run plays to make sure he was showing the effort to be a blocker. Like... It was the best day of work for him by far, and it was the player I saw at Arkansas. And so, I, again... What's the player that we all expected, right? right? I mean, well, well let's, I, not, let's say let's say we all expected, but we expected yes. that to happen. Now, did we expect it to maybe happen at OTAs? Sure. Again, it wasn't ever going to be a big concern because lost in Sam Pittman's comments about that were the second time he said these comments, by the way. This right. wasn't new news. It was just presented in last week format. at media yeah. days. Yeah, media days was that he's a great team leader and a, and a good team mate. And he cares about the team more than himself. Yeah, so obviously you have to give a guy at least a little bit of time to adjust to new surroundings and a new way of doing things that he probably was able to rest a little bit on his athletic ability yes. in college. And, and, and Arkansas is not exactly Alabama. Right, and so you, you go in here, you totally are different, but everybody discounted him, saying, well, he'll, he's a bust because of A.J. Brown, and then he's a um, not going to amount to anything because he's obviously a Sam Pittman guy, and Sam Pittman is a can't be trusted for anything, and uh, he's obviously Isaiah Wilson, which is an utterly ridiculous thing to say. And I, I just, I am, at this point, you know, John Robinson again on Monday was asked a question about, what does Traylon Burks have to do to replace A.J. Brown? Okay. First Such off, a leading question. <laughs> first off, I talked about I talked about this on Football and Other Efforts this week, where I talked about he doesn't have to be A.J. Brown. He has to be the best Traylon Burks that he can be. And everybody, all the other pass catchers just and Traylon Burks combined have to be better than what they had last year. Which I don't think is that. That difficult. Oh, it's, it's like the 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 2015 <laughs> wide receiver pass catching group did better than the one last year. So this is this we're talking Sharp Matthews. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, we're talking Harry Douglas, oh, DGB, okay. and Kendall Wright. Oh, God. Well, at yeah. least Wright had 100 catches one. Time. Yeah, you know, but he basically said he kind of skirted the question by just saying what they expect Traylon Burks to do, which is the best way to go because I mean AJ Brown doesn't matter anymore. That that's the first big thing I would think everybody needs to realize. A.J. Brown does not matter. Nor does, neither does Isaiah Wilson. No. Neither one of them factor into what we are evaluating currently. And yes. again, I want to be clear. We're take, we're t we're, this is our first of a few victory laps that you're yeah. going to take here. But this one, to me, is also we've got it. I want to hold ourselves accountable because that's what we're going to do for you on the show, which is if he does come back and struggle to go through practice next week sometime, that we're not going to throw that away and say, let's not over... like. I don't there wanna, I there don't, is an issue. There. Right. Like, I don't want to overreact to to Wednesday's practice and say it was right. the greatest practice of all time. He's perfect. It's going to be wonderful. Yeah. Like, that's not it. It just was, as of right now, so far, with two days of practice, as a professional, in an official training camp, in the summer, for the season, Traylon Burks has been good. Yeah. And until it, he's not good, we're not going to react. And the it. staff and John Robinson, they all knew, they all knew about his asthma issues. They all knew. They have said it numerous times. I saw Jimmy Morris on Music City Miracles that they're doing some podcast or whatever, and they had a little preview of a podcast. And he said, Sam Pittman's a liar, and this staff didn't know what was going on, and they have an issue where they don't know what is going on with these players. Even though he's just blatantly ignoring the, the multiple people that have came out and said they knew about it. <laughs> give me a break with this uh, but anyway yeah, John Robinson Traylon Burks and he said get open catch and block try to run with it as far as he can until someone tackles him after he catches it <laughs> sounds pretty simple that's a simple job to ask and listen they brought up his college stats too uh, where he ranked they, I don't remember which stats they brought up but they they know what he's capable of that's why they were comfortable trading away AJ Brown. They were. That's why they were comfortable drafting Traylon Burks is because first off, they knew the asthma was an issue, but they knew what they were getting is yeah. a wide receiver that they believe can get yards after the catch and go deep, which we saw in yeah. in practice. Yeah, everything that I saw in Arkansas tape 
from a really good football player that would run away from Alabama defensive backs in, in a in a run first offense. I I saw in the first two days of practice, which which is it. it's going to continue, and there are going to be days where he does not have good days. Guess what? He's a human and he's a rookie. Yes, human and rookie. Also, two important things to acknowledge yeah. that Traylon Burks, in fact, is. We can confirm. I can confirm that. I saw that today. He is, in fact, a human being. Uh, we're going to get to some position battles, Tim Kelly's influence, uh, some lack of kicker drama, um, the DB rotation in the secondary, a lot of other stuff here, of course, on a football show. Zach Braden brought to you by Kingston Group, the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Victory lap number two. Hold-ins. I told everybody that screamed, then these were media members that screamed to the high heavens, the Tennessee Titans have the leverage. Why don't they do, you know, make A.J. Brown come in and collect fines and, you know, he can't afford to take all these fines and blah, 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 blah. And then when Debo Samuel showed up and D.K. Metcalf showed up to OTAs, they were like, see, see, Debo Samuel never did anything at OTAs. Now, I don't know about D.K. Metcalf, but Debo never did anything. But they said, see, they have the leverage. The team has the leverage. And what I say, no. This still does not mean he's doing anything. This does not mean that he's going to play. And what happens? Yesterday, it's reported. On Tuesday, wait a minute, Wednesday, it's re- today is Thursday. <laughs> On Wednesday, it was reported that Debo Samuel, Derwin James, and DK Metcalf are all performing hold-ins. They're showing up so they don't have to collect the fine. And you know what happens when it comes to regular season time and they don't have a new contract? The player, the team has to make them inactive on game day, eat up a roster spot, and they still can't fucking find them. <laughs> because yeah, that's what, exactly what Deshaun Watson did. Deshaun Watson, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. has changed the game in multiple ways, and it started last week in these player negotiations. Open your eyes, pay attention to what's going on around <laughs> you in these negotiations, and quit talking out your ass. That's victory lap number How you two. Feel, you feel good? Feel good. Feel better? Yes. All right. Come to me for your negotiation <laughs> ish, questions. Would you, like, would you like to take a third lap? Yes. All right, go for The it. last lap, is, and it's really just more of a toot-our-own-horn kind of lap here. Is That's that what a victory lap is. We said that Raidens, Fitz, and Farley would probably all walk away with off-season awards, and they all walked away with off-season awards, which we'll talk to you about later. I, I think that one's on you, actually. I, you get credit for that one more I'll than I I'll take it. More I'm, than not, I I'm not going to share it. If you gave That's it, fine. You, can have you it. can't come back later and try to take it. I don't have no desire. It's okay. Uh, yeah, the... Um, uh, Amani Hooker, uh, Caleb Farley, Dylan Radens, Des Fitzpatrick, Troy Carter, and Marcus Walker, right? The, um, uh, the, the, the six guys that won the offseason awards. Uh, and Radens, like, I, I was sitting there today talking to a former offensive lineman about how Radens looks very, very different, which we noticed in OTA's minicamp, so that's not a surprise. Farley, they've been raving about. Like, they can't stop talking about how much they love Farley. Again, he's full go right now. Um, I thought it was interesting listening to Vrabel talk about how some of the mental hurdles – we're in like the J- December, January time where like you can't do as much physically when you're coming yeah. back from an ACL and that there were some down times for, for Caleb and, and you have to kind of fight through that. And they did. And now it's like exclusively physical and him and Woods are basically at full go at this point. Well, I love that Farley and Woods rehab together. together. I thought that was I thought that was kind of cool news. And, and Woods said it was sort of it didn't happen on purpose. It wasn't yeah. like a trainer or a coach that kind of said do this. But like what happens when you're rehabbing the exact same injury and your mirror positions on the football field? is you probably start doing a lot of the same things around the same right. time. And so it actually worked out really well that they would, you know, they can go over on the side and kind of work on releases or whatever. And again, this is all stuff that Rabel has, has, has talked about. So uh, I do think that that's been beneficial. And Farley, like, like Woods is the con- as as good as Woods looks as a consummate professional, is as talented as Caleb Farley looks. He's bigger. I, Kevin Byard and I were talking about it today. Like, he he's put in the, the, the work in the weight room in the offseason – and is bigger, and he has just got a Jalen Ramsey type of frame. I'm not saying he is a Jalen Ramsey type of player, but that's the type of frame that he has. Extremely rangy, very long, big shoulders, um, very, very good. I, I mean, he's very, very talented. The question is, can he go out and realize all that potential? Well, let's so. let's just continue talking about DBs and sorting through the DB rotation. You mentioned it yourself that you talked to Kevin Byer today. All right, well, I had a chance to talk to the All-Pro Safety for the Tennessee Titans, and I had a chance to ask him about all the young defensive backs and how versatile they are and how, how, that, how important that is for the Tennessee Titans defense. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that's a good thing about our group is that we're all versatile. Obviously, me and Hook, you know, there's no free or strong safety in our defensive room. You know, we pretty much can do both sides. We can disguise really well. And obviously, with the corners, you got Elijah Mode, and you got all these different guys that can play nickel, that can play corner, uh, and just the versatility. I'm thinking. But um, just like you said, it's very good because we run a lot of defenses. So it's not like where, okay, this guy just a cover two corner, a zone corner, a man corner. All these guys can play man. They can also play zone and mix things up. So it's good to have in our room. So that was Kevin Byard, and he, he mentioned he didn't talk about a lot of the young players specifically there. And that I said, hey, you know, the question was kind of about the young players, but he did go into the differences of the defense. And this is what I love about the secondary. And I think we talked about it a little bit, but having seen it now through a couple of days, like what I love about this secondary is how versatile all of the pieces are and how the opportunities that Vrabel and Shane Bowen have to, to mix them all together based on what they're seeing, who they're facing, situational stuff. Like, and you heard Byer say, like, we don't have a safety position on one side or the other. We have guys that can all do man, that can all do zone, that can do all this different stuff. They have a bunch of really interesting pieces that fit together, I think, exactly how John Robinson planned it which is I want a guy who can do this, I want a guy who can do this, I want a guy who can do this, but then they can all kind of switch positions and do other stuff. It's just a really fun group. Now, I will say, they are very, it's, it's a pretty young group. Right. Like Caleb Farley's second year, Roger McCurry first year, Christian Fulton's only his third year, Ronnie Hooker's not on his second deal yet, yeah, fourth year. I mean, Bayard is the elder Jackson. statesman by a mile. Yeah. <laughs> so it is still a very young group, and so I think there will be some learning, but it is, a man, it is a fun group to look at, and... Uh, I think there's a lot of versatility there. How do they, you know, fit in for you? Like, do you see one, you know, playing a certain role, even if it's not a position, but like a certain role? Like, how do you differentiate between what Chris Jackson is when he's in or how they view Chris Jackson in his piece? Or same with Molden, McCreary, all these guys. How do they, they all work together? So uh, we have to be careful about what we can and can't say, of course. Um so this isn't necessarily about anything that I've seen the last two days. I just think that like Molden almost functions. We said this on Monday, so I can I can say this because I didn't see it necessarily on, in the first two days of practice. But I I view Elijah Molden as a starting defensive player to some degree, and that is more of a two inside linebacker set. And I don't want to call it like a five two even. It's not really a five two, but. Amani Hooker is going to play in the box. Elijah Molden is going to play in the box. Like these guys have that kind of skill and talent. And so when we get down the depth chart, you mentioned Chris Jackson, for example. To me, it's about having a guy at each position that can come in and fill that role. And, and it doesn't have to all be one guy. Like your nickel back to me isn't just one guy. It's they have a lot of different pieces that they can use all. If you want an outside guy, that's probably going to be Chris Jackson. If you want it to be someone that's probably more up in the box and playing against tight ends or against the run, that's probably Theo Jackson. If you have a dime or a sixth defensive back that's going to be more of a true free safety, that's probably more A.J. Moore. So like, I think you can look at their skill sets and look at their tape and just go, what do each one of these guys do best? And what's cool is that like they are so versatile that they can, if it's third and one on the goal line versus third and 12 on their own 20, they have a player for that situation. Gotcha. If, if that makes sense. Now, again, what does that look like exactly where people are lining up? Again, can't say any of that stuff. Um, but if you look at their skill sets and what a defensive backfield needs, I mean, we know who the, the four are. We know Bayard, <laughs> Hooker, yeah. Farley, and Fulton. I was about to say, Farley and Fulton, outside corners, right? Starting we, we know those are the starting four yeah. corners. And then Elijah Molden is basically a starter for all intents and purposes. And then after that, it's sort of just like, what do we need in this situation? Gotcha. And that's what's really cool. Like, again, if, if they're running, if the other team's running 13 personnel with three tight ends, you're probably going to see Amani Hooker, Elijah Molden, Theo Jackson more in those roles because yeah. they're bigger physical players. If it's four wide receivers and you're going against, you know, a bunch of Tyreek Hills, you're probably going to see a lot more McCreary and a lot more Fulton, a lot more Farley, and, you know, maybe more Chris Jackson in that situation. Maybe more, maybe more Elijah, uh, AJ Moore at, at safety. So I just think it's a, it's a great group. They are the one thing that I keep landing on, like, what am I missing? Right. right. Like, what am I missing? It's that they're very young. That's still the one thing that they're, they're very, very young. Uh, Roger McCreary, by the way, showing ver scheme versatility, which Bayer just mentioned there. He had a really nice, like kept dropping, kept dropping. If nobody crosses your face, you keep dropping. And he went up and tipped a pass and knocked a pass away uh, in team drills on, on Wednesday. So I, 
just all good signs, man. Like it's just it's a it's a fun secondary so it's to watch. Li- it's living up to the hype, is what I, you're saying. I think so. Yeah, I think so. The um, what are the chances that you see on the on the field? I mean, five or let's say say five cornerbacks. Like, I mean, I do, guess it's possible because like, would they take a if Zach Cunningham leaves the field? On third down, and then would and they, they didn't do any of this in the last two days. Yeah. So I'm not yeah. reporting on this. Oh, I, yeah, I, they they did not run any one linebacker yeah. sets. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If they did, do you think this group provides them with the flexibility to be able to feel comfortable taking Zach Cunningham off the field and not putting yep. another linebacker there? Amani Hooker, gotcha. Amani Hooker and Elijah Molden are so good around the line of scrimmage. If you need them to be, in my opinion, gotcha. Hypothetically. 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 Allegedly. 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 Uh, well, I will say this about them. Even though they are maybe, uh, they're keeping the hype level up, they did get burnt a lot on uh, Wednesday's <laughs> yes. practice. And a lot of that may have to do with Tim Kelly. What do you want to throw to the video first? Oh, yeah. Let's. So I will say one thing before we listen to Nick Westberg Kine talking about Tim Kelly's influence, because um, it's still pretty early on this, but I. I think there's a reason that we saw what we saw in camp on on Wednesday, passing the football down the field. We'll get to that in a second. So, uh, Tim Kelly, I had a chance to talk to Nick Westbrook-Akine, and I just asked him specifically. I said, look, what? it's only a couple of days in, but what do you see is the influence of Tim Kelly on the Titans' offense? Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, it's early on. So, like, I guess I'm going to learn a lot more going forward through camp, but... I mean, we just, I feel like there's a lot of details and knowledge all around of, you know, everybody knowing the full concept of the plays that we got going on. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot more why, um, I guess, is, is the first thing I noticed is just an emphasis on the why. And, you know, that's Coach you know, Tim Kelly and then the whole offensive staff all together. Um, just everybody kind of really understanding why we're doing things instead of just going out there and winning plays. So, Nick Westbrook-Akine there. And again, very early, not a ton of detail about, you know, specific formations or, or, you know, strategies or anything. And I don't expect him to sort of give away state secrets, especially with this Titans organization. Um, but I think, you know, a little insight there into it's not just here's the play, here's how to run it, here's how to break this or turn the defensive back's hips here, or I want you to go over the DB here, or under the DB here, depending on if it's man or zone, if he's uptight or whatever. It's more just like I, I am learning why we're doing everything the way we're doing it. And, you know, that's, an, that's another layer of understanding of the offense that I think is, is helpful for the receiving core. I will say that I think I, – I don't – I can't specifically say the reason they were successful down the field in, in the first day of practice was because of Tim Kelly. I would say it's the first day of real practice. And on seven-on-sevens, you should be going down the field. Like, that's – to me, if I'm running a seven-on-seven drill – I want to practice my intermediate to deep passing game. Like, what's the point of throwing well, two-yard flat routes to in a seven-on-seven? Seven? Like, there's no offensive or defensive line. What I've kind of yeah. noticed this offseason, I kind of noticed in a couple drills so uh, earlier in the year, now I'm seeing them again today, is that Nick Westbrook-Akine looks faster. He, he looks quicker, he which does. is very odd to say because I always felt like he was this big, plotting, possession-type wide receiver and then on Wednesday, you read that he's going like 40 yards down the field, burnt Christian For Fulton. Very first, I, I, maybe it was the second play of camp. Yeah. It was a seat, like down the seam on, on the hash mark, five yards past Christian Fulton. Yeah, which is crazy in, in my mind. It's just crazy. Perfect throw from Tannehill. Again, this is what you're supposed to do in seven right. on seven. Nobody's rushing you. Like, it, it, it was a perfect throw, caught it in stride, walked into the end zone. But like, I feel not like even, not even like, not even challenged. Well, like, while you do typically tend to test the defense on these kind of throws and in these drills, I feel like they were very much more uh, apparent and successful and maybe wowing, Yes, I, I would say, because it seems like we, we said that they have lacked explosive plays. I, mean, I talked about it on the podcast uh, this past weekend specifically, or the past week, but we talked about on the show tr- yep. a bunch of times about what Tim Kelly would bring is more explosive plays, and it looks like that is where the emphasis is is at currently. Yes. And I think that when you're looking at Tim Kelly, I like the fact that he's diving into the wide receiver room pretty hot and heavy and explaining and teaching Mm. and coaching. Not to say that Rob Moore hasn't done that, because Rob Moore has obviously been a very successful wide receiver coach, but I think adding an extra layer, letting... 
Tim Kelly take off. Basically, what you're getting is Rob Moore is being able to focus maybe a little bit more on techniques, the drills, yes. and yep. you know how you do something. And Tim Kelly's focusing on the why. And I think the how and the why working together yep. in perfect matrimony is going to go a long way for these wide receivers, specifically for Nick Westbrook-Kines, yep. who's just continues to ascend. And I, I I know that people like to mock Joe Rexrode. <laughs> and a wide receiver too. He wrote a whole and, story about it. Yeah, and I know, like, by the I, way, Rexy, I heard you dogging me out today. By the way, <laughs> and I know people like to bag on what Nick Westbrook can be, but if he continues to add layers to his game, and if he's adding the deep layer, that's another. He he already has Tannehill's trust, right? Now he can have Tannehill's trust down the field. Yeah, is another layer. Does that result in a thousand yard season? No. Yeah. Does that result in going from four hundred something yards and uh, four touchdowns to six hundred something yards and you know seven touchdowns? It could, but you need the vertical passing game because it was lacking so apparently last year. Yes, at I, all times. I, I think in a perfect world, you want Traylon Burks starting as your outside wide receiver in the in the starting normal formation right. with Nick Westbrook Akine behind him. And when you want to go big, you play them both. And, or, if, or if Traylon needs a, a, a spell, you bring in Westbrook Akine. Uh, to me, he's uh, he's just a super dependable, knowledgeable, smart, all-around football player that is probably really good in the he's good in the running game in terms of blocking and getting into position. So I just think he's he's just continues to sort of evolve his game into a more well-rounded thing. I, I am curious to see, because this is not what I've seen the last two days. It's what you've said from the beginning, because you did a deep dive on Tim Kelly, and you said a lot of 12 personnel, a lot of throwing on first down, more explosive plays. Those those are the three big ones, yeah. right? Those three. And in the first day of camp, I think we we saw, again, not the formational stuff, but we saw them go down the field. Um, Tannehill's a little – let's put it all together. Tannehill's a little pissed off for greatness, yep. a little bit more motivated. They're deeper at receiver and at tight end and at running back. They have a passing game coordinator that we that we trust to do some of the things we want to see the offense do to evolve. Like we start checking all these boxes, the only one <laughs> is that damn offensive line. Yeah. <laughs> that that is the thing that could derail all of the other pieces that we've talked about that we like right. so far. Is we just we are not going to know about the offensive line and how it affects the passing game until they are out on the field against the Giants. <laughs> we are not going to know. I'll say this because I want to bring this up with Tim Kelly. Tim Kelly's done, always did a good job of moving his wide receivers around the formation. And um, I think that with the pieces that you have, Mike Vrabel brought it up, I believe is Mike Vrabel on Tuesday. It may have been John Robinson, but they talked about, well, you, Nick Nick Westbrook-Kinney, he can play all the slots. He can play every, he, every, he can every, play position. every position. Yeah, he can. He, can play, he played some slot for us last year, I believe, and he did this and he did that. And Traylon Burks, obviously, is a guy that can do it all. Robert Woods, again, obviously a guy that can do it all. Now, Kyle Phillips, he's kind of slotted in at the slot. He's an inside yeah. wide receiver. Chig can be put out wide. I think this all plays in Tim Kelly. And I think what you're seeing from these practices is the reason why a Will Fuller or another pertinent big-name wide receiver has not been, has not been signed. Yeah. And why they were comfortable with letting AJ go? Because I think, I think Joe was right. Maybe it was worded poorly. <laughs> Maybe it was worded poorly, but I think Rex Look, Road was right yes. when saying that this group and this organization loves Nick Westberg Kinnick. Yes, uh, this I can say with a lot of clarity. I feel like and not getting in trouble. This organization loves Nick Westberg Kinnick. This organization loves Robert Woods. Yep. This organization loves Chigakonkwu. Yeah. This organization loves Austin Hooper. Like they they it is clear like I think they are starting to love Des Fitzpatrick. Not not, not that much, but they like him I, more. I've been, I've been saying that I think I feel like, like a more. lot of, they like a lot of Des Fitzpatrick this year. <laughs> they, they like him more. He got a great again, caught a night a, a really nice throw from Tannehill on a backside, sort of like eight yard in route, slant route uh, on Wednesday. And and Vrabel talked about this, so we can say this. Traylon Burks has been catching punts as well. Yes. He's over there working on punts because of the yak. And Which, by the way, I find it interesting that Trenton Cannon is still not working punts. So, obviously, they still view him as exclusively a kick returner. Yes. Currently. I, I would say slot receivers and Traylon Burks are uh, yeah, heard the punt returners are right now. Um, I, but that's interesting to me. Like, it, it just, I also, what I, what I, and maybe, and maybe I'll ask them this in some time in the future, but what I would love to know is, because a Konkwu is a, is a little smaller, he's built like a truck. I just mean he's not like a 
six six George Kittle type. type yeah. or whatever. He's not like Travis Kelsey, right? Like that's no not, Tony Gonzalez, right? Like that's not how he's built. He's a smaller guy that's more versatile. Not Jared Cook, exactly. What I'd be curious because Burks's size is so big and Westbrook Akine is so big is that can Tim Kelly, Todd Downing, and company get really creative? Where what what could be like twelve person again? They haven't done this, so I'm this is I'm not reporting this. I've said that a lot today. Yeah. <laughs> um, if they were to go twelve personnel, for example, could you make that that second tight end Traylon Burks and give yourself more speed, more versatility, more flexibility in specific situations? Yeah, well, he's about as fat as one. <laughs> but just in like, could you talk about Nick Westbrook Akine playing every role? Like, is it possible? Just like with the secondary versatility, where a safety can play linebacker and a linebacker can play corner and a corner can play, like, is there a chance that we could see, all right, it looks like 13 personnel, but it's actually Traylon Burks lined up in tight, dropped back off the line, what looks like a tight end, but it's really just this monstrous wide yeah. receiver. That could give them a lot of flexibility and make it really interesting to see how, how creative they could get with all those pieces. Yeah, so. I, I think that's the thing is that you're going to see a lot of creativity in the passing game, which is what I talked about with, with the addition of Tim Kelly. And I tell you one thing they have to do. They have to pass more on first down. In fact, Ryan Tannehill, and I said this on the Football and Other Efforts podcast this week, it's out wherever you get podcasts. Go listen to it. Because I talked for a lot longer than I thought I would about <laughs> to, stats. To, to whom? To, to, to the, the masses, the people. And I talked about basically on first down, Ryan Tannehill was the ninth best quarterback in the NFL. 7.2 yards per attempt. And they were one of the worst running teams on first down, except for they only passed it 39% of the time, and they ran it 61% of the time. They were extremely inefficient. It doesn't... Uh... No. So they have to change that, and I think Tim Kelly will change that. Okay. And I think, I, think, I think these pieces, if they stay healthy, allow them to have confidence and versatility to be able to do that. Yeah, I, it would be. I would love to see like. I this, love the Tim Kelly effect. We're already seeing. Yeah, we're already seeing yeah, the, t, t, uh, the like, TKE. We're we're coining okay, that. It's right, our TK, thing. The Tim right. Kelly effect. Um, let me be like a total nerd and just be because I love tight ends and fullbacks. Like, just give me all the. Old, you love tight ends. Yeah, give me the old. Give me all the Big Ten football, um, yeah. which which frankly is is Mike Rabel. Um, I would. It would be so fun to see, like. Austin Hooper, Chigakonkwu, Traylon Burks, Derrick Henry, Car Troy Carter, and like have them all lined up in a tight formation. Yeah. Nobody out wide. I like it. <laughs> just like, and just see how you could play with that formation. Again, it's probably not I possible. I bet you could see something like that on fourth down. It would be so fun. Remember when they tried to yeah. pass it to Aaron Brewer in the Cleveland game? Yeah, there you go. I think that was actually a third down play. Speaking of Aaron Brewer. Want, I like it. Let's get into you it. You want to talk uh, position battles? Here. Yeah. Well, I think, Try not to give me too much trouble okay. here. Okay. Left guard, obviously, they, they uh, I think Stillman mentioned it in a question to Ryan Tannehill on Wednesday, basically saying, well, we know that we saw uh, Dylan Radens at right tackle. We saw Amber Brewer at left guard. How do you feel about that, or what, what do you think about that? And uh, Not to anything about that, but the Aaron Brewer disrespect <laughs> – has been it's a little it's, odd. Yeah, it's curious. Yeah, it's curious. And I think it's curious to Vrabel, if you go back and look at the press conference that he had on Thursday today, uh, I believe it was Beauclair, but I don't want to miss, you know, really blame it on anybody. Sure. But there was a question, and it was a, it's a pretty standard question to ask. I mean, it wasn't a bad question or anything. But it led, to, it led Vrabel down this path where he's kind of confused, and he kind of expressed his confusion as to why people don't remember that Brewer has played a lot of snaps for the Tennessee Titans and he was good in that limited capacity and why he wouldn't be good in a starting capacity. I mean, I think we said this on Monday before yes. seeing a single second of practice that I would be pretty shocked if Aaron Brewer didn't win the starting left guard job and that Jamarco Jones wasn't the swing Dennis Kelly tackle on the guard tackle inside right. outside guy. I, I mean, I think we said that on Monday. i I haven't seen anything. And, Vra and Vrabel pretty Bre Brewer's much said a today. Solid yeah, and Vrabel's also said, and I think in that same breath after that question, basically, you know, Jamarco Jones is still kind of learning everything. And he's still kind of. You could tell that they're not thrilled necessarily. Vrabel's attitude towards Jamarco Jones is drastically different towards his attitude about Aaron Brewer. He enjoys talking about Aaron Brewer. He's like, it's a chore to talk about Jamarco Jones, which is what <laughs> we have said for a while now that people are trying to make this a competition. I don't think it's as much as a competition. It's a, 
competition. Right. But it's not a competition. No, again, I would be There's shocked. There's a clear leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, and, and he is a far more explosive athlete yeah. than Jamarco Jones. The question is, as a, from a size standpoint, what made Roger Saffold special was he was both. And that, yeah. that's, that's what, like, they are going to be taking a, sm- a step back in the size department, the big physicality. But talk about burst, explosiveness, quickness. Like, he is, he's, and, and experience in the offense, like, he's way ahead of Jones from all those standpoints. So I tend to agree with your assessment of, of how you've heard um, Rabel talk about those, again, two, those two players. Again, we're in what? I should know this. Year five and year six of Robinson and Vrabel, I think. I think it's seven for Robinson, five for Vrabel, I think. Okay. Uh, two years of two years of malarkey, right? No, one year of malarkey. One year with malarkey? We had an yeah. interim year before Robinson. That's why Robinson got uh, hired, because yeah, he yeah. would take malarkey on. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah. Hash all of so that someday. Five, five and six, if I'm not mistaken. And to me, we know what this team is. We know what little bit of information you get out of them needs to be taken not with a grain of salt with they're not they're not hiding anything they're 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 pretty blunt not blunt if that makes sense like they're blunt not blunt they they, they're (laughs) telling you what they're saying but they're not giving you enough yeah 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 so you got to pick up on these little signals and the signal is right now is that the left guard competition is clearly aaron brewer is the favorite and jamarco jones maybe can do something but he's got a long ways to go yeah i think that's i think that's fair honestly like I even if I did see something over the last two days that I could say definitively made me think that somebody had won a starting job at any position, I'm not sure there's any jobs that are really up for grabs. Like yeah, in general, I feel like it's Demarcus Walker's job to lose the the back end of the rotation. Now I don't. Okay, I, I'm know, with let's you. Let's go on into the, there. I'm with you on that because I spent a lot of time on Wednesday watching the defensive line. That's when they were a little bit more physical. The, the on the Thursday practice again it was more of a jog yeah. through a lot. A it's it's very crowded. In the, it, it, it is. It's man. not going to be easy. I I saw PK tweet out today that oh well, getting in the back end of the defensive line group and making the roster in the back end is going to be is not hard at all and i'm thinking well i think it's a lot more difficult than what you're giving credits to because you got merch back there you got demarcus walker i'm like writing them all down right now you got you got (laughs) Jaden peavy back there you got haskell garrett back there you got deshaun hand back there there are so many big dudes and maybe they're not there clearly it's demarcus walker's job to lose and but you know he got the offseason award he got brought in pretty late in the offseason you know let's when we instead of getting into position battles, let's kind of talk about the leadership awards and expectations. In that we got Dylan Raines, uh, Des Fitzpatrick, Caleb Farley, all second year players, all winning this leadership award. All have now, Raidens and Farley in particular, have super high expectations placed yep. on them. Yep. But it seems like they're meeting the challenge. So can they carry that through? So your expectation should be yep. Des Fitzpatrick should be the wide receiver four. I think, or he's the least yeah, making the team. Outside wide receiver four. Right, right, right like, yeah. If you're taking the slot, like the true slot position Because really Kyle Phillips is technically yeah. your wide receiver and, three and, slash four. And Mason Kinsey was number two in the drills, like not on the field, but like when they were yeah. doing the drills, Kinsey's up there with Nick Westbrook, Kine, and Woods when it comes to running through the yeah. drills. And so I, I think Kinsey, as we've talked about, Kinsey and Phillips are in a pretty big battle for that slot role for sure i I don't think so i think from what i gather from woods is that they let some veterans go first to teach it set the drills to set the drills uh but rain's obviously again but you know demarcus walker went in his i thought was very curious and that to me is like almost a cement cement the the status of this you know him as going to be the fourth wide receiver or fourth defensive lineman because he can also kind of play outside linebacker too. So th- this is what I was going to ask you because I think Weaver, for example, Rashad Weaver, who's clearly going to make the team. Who's it, also playing special teams, by the way, which it, I thought was an interesting tidbit he, said today. PV and Weaver are just like, you just look at them and you go, oh, okay. Yeah. Like you're a defensive lineman. <laughs> and Weaver is an outside linebacker. So the question is, do they carry six defensive linemen? And does one of those actually kind of count as an outside linebacker? Right. That's why you could see them carry four true outside edge rushers you know, with Dupree and Adenahi and Landry and Weaver. Um, and Weaver. But, like, Weaver kind of counts as a defensive lineman potentially on certain downs, right? Right. So, uh, to me, the wild card here is Peavy. He, he's the wild card. He looks good on most reps that he's out there. But, like, you throw in Merch, you throw in Tart, you throw – like, there's a lot of guys that are just involved in this. They've got good options. Deshaun Hand is – I don't 
think is going to, if I had to guess, make the team, but he's got all the talent and the physical right. ability in the world. Um, it, it is, I think you're right, to, to, put, to give Walker the award would seem odd to them cut, cut him. That, yeah. that would seem odd, but... There's still a lot of time, granted. There's, you know, right. a, lot of, a lot of ways that other people can pass overpass DeMarcus Walker, but if you really look at his per-snap numbers on a pressure basis, you know, playing with uh, Von Miller and um, their other... Are they Roquan Smith or is that the Bears? I think that's the Bears. Bradley... Roquan, Roquan Smith's the Bears. Yeah. For sure. Um... The, Bradley Chubb. There you that's go. That's who's over there. Yeah. Um, NC State. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, in limited snaps with them, he was still getting five and a half sacks. If he can bring that over here, he obviously he obviously has made an impression very quickly. And I think that is going to go a long way for him to. I, I feel like the roster is getting pretty set pretty quick. Yeah. Yes. And when we did our 53 projections, <laughs> offensive and defense, a couple of weeks ago, go check out those shows, by the way. I, I mean, I don't think anything is truly changed a whole lot from yeah. that point till till now. Uh, it's weird to look at each position group. I don't know. We can talk sort of expectations on here. Like, I look at the defensive back group, and it's young, very talented, very versatile, exciting to me. It's high expectations. The defensive line, talented, deep, young, exciting, yeah. but, some in, but some pieces that we're not 100% sure on, like a Weaver. We think really highly of him, but we're not sure. Um, so that's exciting to me. There's the receiving core and tight end core, which has got some nice, young, exciting pieces with some expectations. So, like, there's not as good as the defense, clearly, secondary of the line. But it's sort of like, okay, I, I, the offensive line is the only one where I'm just kind of like, right. it's cautious. It's not excitement. That That's the only position group on the team. And, unfortunately, that is the one position group that can derail all the other ones. I'm, I'm anxious to see what they do in joint practices. I, yeah. I think that, that will go a long way with telling you. But I like that the idea that the valuable offensive line reps seem to be going to the right people with the right amount of time. But this, you know, Ward, you're putting another layer of pressure slash expectation on Dylan Radins to, yeah. to solidify his spot. And they seem pretty confident that Dylan Radins is going to be the right tackle of the future or the tackle of the future. Cause he could switch at some point yeah. for this team in the long haul. They seem confident enough that, Des Fitzpatrick is going to be a contributor and not a hindrance when he's on the field. Can I ask you a yeah. question about those two guys in particular, and yeah. then they kind of will blossom out into like a larger conversation about Vrabel and Robinson strategically. And that is, and, and we've, I've heard them say this often, which, and Vrabel said this specifically during his press conference, that he doesn't want to rely on talent, which is an interesting thing to say because sometimes you just want to have the better player. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the, when all else, when all else fails, Talent generally wins. But Vrabel's like, I never want to rely on that. And, and Robinson has gone out of his way to talk about how football is a game. It's a process. And I think fans expect a draft pick to come in and start right away and for this whole thing. Like, I almost feel like this organization, more than any other organization in this league, requires patience. Mm -hmm. And, like, Des Fitzpatrick's body looks different. It took, a, took some patience and some buy-in for him to get to where he is. We'll see if it pays off. Dylan Radins, it took some time and some buy-in. There was also a whole year he didn't play because of COVID patience for him to buy in and understand what is required and to then to, to become a contributor. Like I just feel like Vrabel and Robinson are more likely to be attracted to a player that is going to buy in, see what it's all about, take the time to, to hand develop them. Cause that's what Vrabel loves to do teach. And that it's never going to be a team that's like going to go draft a flashy piece, plug them right in. And they're just going to be a star that's better than everybody else. Maybe you can win a super bowl that way. Maybe you can't, I don't know. Does that, yeah, is that a weird observation? No, is that I, a meaningless I, observation? No, like, I think that goes into what we talked about, I think, uh, last week, was that they're pretty clear that you have to buy in, and they feel that their way is the best way, and that doesn't matter who's on the team. They don't need the talent. They don't need A.J. Brown to be successful. Right. And now, we have to see that on the field, but that's what they feel that they're... they're that's what I think they feel. We yes. don't need A.J. Brown... We don't need that number one Justin Jefferson kind of receiver. If we get it, that's great. But he better but also have the fundamentals and the buy-in right. and the discipline. And, and Right. And I think what you're looking at is, you know, what worried about me about Des Fitzpatrick from the start of rookie meeting camp last year was if something did not go his way, he he was it was mentally he was done. He was in his feelings. And that seems to be different. Body language is better. He seems to be more comfortable. Offseason could do wonders for you. I I hope that every player that the Titans have always performs the best. 
I, I think having I, I'm never rooting against a player <laughs> to fair. fail. But I'm also tend to be a little bit realistic, and I was very realistic about what it would take for Destin Patrick to be a wide receiver in the NFL. And last year he was proving me right that he just didn't have what it takes. Now this year he's proving me wrong, and I welcome it. What, what it may your, be one of the most wrong things I have, be but great for the team. Yeah, it's, but it's great for the team, so I don't give a shit to be wrong. Right, like right, right. I'm not one of these people with a fragile ego no. that has to talk my way into circles about how I wasn't wrong. Look, oh, you're talking it, to a Marietta guy. Yeah, so. I mean, like, look, if Des Fitzpatrick is great, or it, let's say this, if Des Fitzpatrick can routinely get this team 400 some yards and four touchdowns and not hurt the team, because that's what he did last year, he hurt the team in critical moments and he improves mentally. That's good for the team. That's yeah. good for us. That is good for everybody. I, I, I don't care to be wrong. Prove me wrong. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've always no, said. No, listen, I'm married. I'm I'm good with being wrong. Yeah. Um. I I think it's more like I think there are expectations are a little high for Des from a statistical standpoint. Yeah. I think he, what he, what you want him to like my opinion would be for him to grow into a position where he is the guy that can step in when you need him to to take a rep away from somebody when they need a breather. If an injury happens, he can fill that slot without hurting the team. Like to me, I don't expect like thirty catches for four hundred yards and four yeah. touchdowns. To me, it's more like you want the one game where you need him to fill in for an injury and he can give you four catches for 60 yards. You want that Marcus Johnson game we got last year, that one game he played. He he went for 100 yards and he looked great. And that's what you want from Dez. You want someone that can fill in and not hurt the team. That's why they keep Logan Woodside. They need someone, and that's why they'll continue to keep Logan Woodside because they want someone to come in that knows the offense in a pinch. So, and I, I was having a few conversations about the quarterback position. We weren't attending to talk about this, but we'll give you a little Easter egg here in the near the end of the episode, which is that I even you started me on this. I am now convinced of it, and now watching, I am even further convinced of it that they are going to keep all three. And it is because right now you need Logan Woodside, and we said this now multiple times on the show. You need Logan Woodside for the Ryan Tannehill short term injury. Yes, if it's one game, if it's two weeks, if it's maybe three games, if Ryan Tannehill, knock on wood tears his ACL in camp and cannot play the entire oh, I season. I cannot believe you put that out there on the airwaves. Can't, can't play the, if something happens where he cannot play the season, I think you play Malik Willis. And yeah. you let him learn. And if he breaks mentally in a professional football setting by starting, and he is broken, quote, I'm doing the air quotes here for the video of people. If you are, then you are not QB1. Yeah. That's it. Like, so to me, it is a, if, if there's a longer term injury, Logan Woodside isn't the guy. I want Malik Willis learning. It's a situational backup quarterback room. Like it's yes. it's all about what happens on the Kinda situation. Like the defensive back. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's just it's just is how it is. You know, I I like that. I kind of thought that we'd get some Jeffrey Simmons news today because today was his birthday. I thought that maybe we'd get a contract. You know, just a little happy birthday. <laughs> but obviously, we didn't get that. But speaking of people that are on the verge of getting a second contract and got an award, Amani Hooker. Yeah, he's big piece of this defense, right? I mean, he's he's a stud. Yeah, that's it. He's a stud. He's a stud. I got very little to say about him. He's a smart player. He's a versatile player. You're going to see him all over the field. He deserves a second contract. He's going to get paid. Uh, I I have very little to add. I, I, he's one of those guys that rarely do I feel like I I you nail a draft pick in the later rounds, like right when it's ha- right when it happens. Yeah, I'm going. I, watched I love him, that Amani Hooker. I watched bit. him a lot in Iowa, and I'm like, dude, this is a phenomenal tackler who is extremely scheme versatile, who can play all over the field, and is smart as hell. Like, yeah, it's a he is a Titan Vrabel Robinson guy to it a. It was like team. the Elijah Molden pick, but later on, yes, in the draft. it's exactly Elijah Molden was one of those where we were like, yep, yeah, way to go. That's the guy we like him. Good job. He's going to play for a while, yeah. and I I just have very little to add about Amani right. Hooker. I love it. <laughs> He's good at football. I don't know what do you want to yeah. say. Um, all right, that's that's it for today. Uh, buildkg.com is the website. The Kingston Group, of course, our title sponsor. Make sure you check them out if you're making any decisions about your house. Make sure you check them out. If Zach's going to build a new wing, he's going to do it with the Kingston Group. We built, a, we built a fancy carport. We did it with the Kingston Group because we're not going to deal with all these stupid independent contractors all over the town. You never know what they're going to show up or what right. they're going to charge you. Nope. Nose to tail, Kingston Group, start to finish, design in-house. They can do the whole deal. No concerns, no worries, extremely high-quality work, exactly like this show, Zach. So check them out, buildkg.com. The Kingston Group, of course. Turn on all the notifications. Follow us all across the uh, socials there. We do appreciate all you guys hanging out with us. Uh, And, of course, live here at the Cast Collective Studio. So check them out. Thecastcollective.com is the website to book a space here on Music Row. Check them out at the Cast Collective on Instagram as well. Zach, 
Good to talk to you. It was a great show. Spicy. Talk. I felt like it was a little spicy. Yeah, you kind of toned down as, as we went along. You were, you were very comfortable in the beginning. Yeah. You're a com- you're more comfortable, spicy, agitated person uh, than I am naturally. I'm not a confident guy. Yeah. You like it. And I, I love the confidence. And I love that about you. Yeah. That's why you're on the show. That's why I love F-Boy Island. Great show on HBO Max. <laughs> on that note, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back again on Monday. Again, 1 p.m. every single Monday and Thursday right here on 440 Sports. For Zach, I'm Braden. This is Football Show.